Together we can make a, a huge difference and we have been making a big difference. I'll tell you how that missions budget is built. Uh, I think it was last year uh, we had, or I think it might have been 18 months ago, um, I came up here and said, uh, hey, I want to challenge every single family to give $10 a month towards missions. And a bunch of families jumped on. Uh, but one of the challenges that we have in the Woodlands, now it's the number one master plan community in the state of Texas and the number six in the nation, according to a report that just came out recently. But the challenge that we have in the Woodlands is when people come, they don't stay long. Uh, it's a very transient community. People come for two or three years and then they leave. They come for two or three years and they leave. And so a lot of the people that were giving $10 a month have, have, have moved. And so uh, we need many of you to jump on that, uh, that team to, so that we can continue doing what we're doing. And so uh, this is how I'd like for you to give. If you could put the app directions on there. I want you to give through the app, through the Celebration Church app. Uh, if you haven't downloaded it, I want you to go ahead and download it now. Um, and you can just select $10 a month. Now you say, why do I have to do it through the app? Why can't I just do it the old-fashioned way? Um, well, the reason why I want you to do it through the app is uh, several reasons. Number one is it's more consistent. You won't forget once you've committed to that. Number two, when you want to stop, you just go back to the app and click stop. All right? Um, and then number three, you get an email uh, receipt for your giving. And so that makes it easier. Every time you give, you get an email receipt for your giving. That makes it easier for you uh, at tax time. Now, um, during tax time, we give everybody a giving receipt anyway, but you just get it in your inbox this way. And so uh, I want you to just take your time right now, get out your cell phones, download the app, and uh, if I see you with your head down, I'm going to smile in my heart because that means that you're not checking your Facebook. That means that you are uh, joining the team, and uh, I really appreciate that a great deal. If you want to just give a one-time gift, feel free to do that. We got a, a call from Pastor Renee in Guatemala. They're building a, a widow that has five children, a home. Her husband recently passed away. They need $700 to complete the house. And so if you want to give a one-time gift, um, it will definitely go to that particular home for her, for that lady. All right, let me uh, shift gears now, and if, I'm going to go into the message for today. Um, today is the last sermon in the series on the Holy Spirit that we've been in for the last four weeks. Um, the series has been called Drawing Near. I'm sorry, Always Near. Always Near is the title of the series. And so I want to just dive right into it by reading this verse. It reads like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. And in this verse, what we see is we see God the Father, we see Jesus Christ, God the Son, and we also see the Holy Spirit um, all three of them are one, but yet they're separate. If that's confusing to you, it's probably because it is confusing, all right? It's very hard for my, our minds to wrap around uh, that concept. I tried to unpack it a little bit in the previous weeks of the series, so you can go back and listen to that. But watch this. It reads like this. The amazing grace of the Master Jesus Christ. So he did, first, before he even gets to God and before he gets to God the Father and before he gets to the Holy Spirit, he says, the amazing 
grace of Jesus. His grace is amazing. What is grace? Now, I could give you 17 definitions of grace, but I'll just give you two right now. Grace is strength exactly where you are the weakest. He gives you strength. For example, if uh, you struggle with pornography and you say, Lord, I, I know that this is not something that you want in my life, but I can't help it. Help me. He gives you a grace, a strength in that area. If uh, you have a, um, an issue with alcohol indulgence, you can't just have one glass. You've got to have 17 glasses and, and you get drunk and you just say, I don't want to get drunk anymore. I'm ruining my life. I'm ruining my family. I can't help it. God understands that. He sees that. And the Bible says that he knows that we are just dust. He sees that we are only so strong. And so grace makes you strong in that area. Um, if you, uh, if your, your marriage is just, it's just not doing well, it's weak, that's where you need grace. And so that is the grace in, in the adjective. I love the adjective there. It says that it's amazing grace. It's like, oh my goodness, think about anything that you've ever said. Oh my goodness, like if you've ever been to the Niagara Falls, anybody here ever been to the Niagara Falls? You see something like that and you're like, oh my goodness, it's amazing. That is his grace. And then he moves on to God. He says, the extravagant love of God. You can't measure the love that God has for you. Um, I didn't know I was going to mention this in this service. I mentioned it in the first service. But right before the first service started, I was standing on the front row, and I started feeling guilty out of nowhere. It was like this arrow shot straight from hell, just like, just shot me. And I was standing there on the front row, and I started thinking, Frankie, you haven't prayed as much as you should have this week. Now, I'm proud of my prayer life. I don't want you to get the wrong idea. But I, I had this thought that I, maybe I didn't pray enough this week. This happened like an hour ago. And so I'm standing there, and I'm starting to feel more and more discouraged. And I'm supposed to come up here and speak in like five minutes. And I'm, I'm feeling more and more discouraged the more I think about this thought. And then all of a sudden, not out loud, just right here in my heart, I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me and say, that voice is not coming from me. That is not coming from me. That, that, is, that is the voice of the enemy. Because God's love is extravagant. It's unmeasurable. If you're ever having a thought that is making you discouraged, it is making you feel down, it is making you feel like a failure, that thought is not from God. I want you to hear those words. That thought is not from God. He only knows how to love you. He only knows how to love you. Isn't that awesome? So just give him a big round of applause for that. I mean, he only knows how to love you. And, and so, and then, so he talks about Jesus, and then he talks about God, and then all of a sudden he shifts gears and starts talking about the Holy Spirit, and he says this, the intimate friendship 
of the Holy Spirit be with you all. This is such an interesting choice of words. The intimate friendship. We're saying the, the, the amazing grace of God. Watch the adjectives here. The amazing grace of God. The, I'm sorry, the amazing grace of Jesus. The extravagant love of God. And then all of a sudden we start talking about the Holy Spirit and it says the intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. And another way of saying intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit is to say it this way. God has Jesus right now. Jesus is not walking on the earth anymore. He's standing at the right hand of the Father. But the Holy Spirit is on the earth and we have an intimate relationship with him. And another way of saying that is this. The Holy Spirit is your best friend. He is your best friend. Uh, I, if, if you've ever, um, my, both my wife and I come from um, a um, blended family. Um, and so if you have ever experienced loss because one of your parents left... If you've ever been through a divorce, somebody that you walked down an aisle and both of you pledged to be with each other and they left, um, you, it is very difficult to not have a silent fear of loss. If somebody in your family has ever died, all of a sudden they're here and now they're not. Um, there's a fear of loss there. And we have a tendency to want to protect ourselves. And sometimes the people that haven't left us, we wish they would. <laughs> I don't know if that's funny or not. But, um, uh, but, <laughs> um, but, but the Holy Spirit will never, ever leave you. It will never, ever leave you. And, and when you are... Uh, you, sometimes you're the best version of you and that's easy to believe. You're the best version of you. You are, you are thriving and it's easy to believe that the Holy Spirit will never leave you. But when you are your worst version of you, when you are, are, your life is nothing to be proud of. In fact, it's, 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 it's almost embarrassing and you feel shameful of your life, how you're living your life. That's when I want to tell you whether you're living your best version of you or your worst version of you, one thing you can't get rid of is the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you when God has given up on you. Are you ready? This is when you know. Take this down. Write it down. You'll know that God is, is, is given up on you when you can't breathe anymore. If you're still, <gasps> he's still here. He's still with you. He's still, <gasps> if you can do that. Because he's giving you that breath. He's giving it to you. He's putting it right up his hand, right in your mouth. If you can breathe, God's still with you. The plan is still working. The plan is still there. I don't know why I'm spending that much time on that point. That was my introduction. I better get going. There's four things with the whole... Thank you for that encouragement. There's four things that the Holy Spirit does I want to cover this morning. Number one is that he's always close. Number two is he makes you a witness. Number three, he convicts us, which is such a gift. 
And number four is he teaches us. Let me talk about how close he is. Um, in, in John chapter 14, verse 16, it says this. This is Jesus talking. If you love me, obey me, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter. I comfort you while I'm here, but I'm leaving. Another comforter is coming, and he will never leave you. Now, if you look up that word comforter uh, in the Greek to find out its original translation, uh, the word is actually pronounced parakalitos. Parakalitos. Let's say that together on three parakalitos. One, two, three. You know Greek. Boom, parakalitos. Parakalitos means to be assigned to help. And so what Jesus is saying here is he's saying, I'm leaving, but there's one that is assigned to help you, and he is never going to leave you. Parakalitos. For those of you that enjoy literature, um, uh, you may be familiar with that word, parakalitos. And, and what it means is to lift the other end. So for example, if uh, this chair is laying down and I want to pick it up and move it, um, parakalitos is somebody is going to lift the other end. See, a lot of times in life, we are doing everything we know how to do, but the situation is still not off the ground. Are you with me? If you've ever la launched a business before, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You are doing all the lifting you can. If you have fought an illness or a sickness in your body, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're doing all the lifting you can. If you have ever fought for a marriage before, if you've ever said, I don't even love this person, but I don't want to get a divorce. I don't want to do it. And so you're doing all you can trying to love that person, but you don't love that person. And, and if they snore one more time, you're going to put a, a pillow over their face. And, and, and now you're supposed to love them. And, the, and I don't know why I'm chasing these rabbits, man. I, f I feel like I'm all up in somebody's business, but I won't stay here long. And, and so you're just like, God, I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know what to do. I'm doing the best I can. And the Holy Spirit comes along and the parakletos is when he lifts the other end and he begins to make things better. This is, um, this is when he's close. He's close. And a type and shadow or a word picture of the Holy Spirit in the Bible is wind. In fact, the first time the Holy Spirit ever made himself known uh, was in the upper room in the book of Acts. And the Bible says that there was a mighty rushing wind and wind is, is an awesome thing because you can't see it, you can't grab it, you can't control it, you don't know what directions it's coming. But when it comes, it's a breeze, it, it's, it's comforting, it's refreshing. And, and the other thing about wind is it moves things along. And sometimes, not only do you need somebody to pick up the other end, but you need that whole season to move along. Somebody go, yes. You need that whole, I don't even want this season anymore. I want this whole season. I don't mind having problems. I just want to have a different problem. Somebody say yes. <laughs> just, just move it along. 
And, and there's, there's, there's times where you get stuck in a season and, and you're just stuck there. Um, there's a place um, on the globe called doldrums. Um, it's, a, it's a word we, we use in our English language, but it's actually a place. Let me show it to you. Um, the doldrum is a place on the equator. It's, um, uh, it's like a belt around the earth. And um, uh, you can see the belt because it's right here. It's marked by these clouds. Do you see that? Right there, it's like a belt around the earth. Now, what's happening there is the north winds and the south winds are colliding into each other and they're canceling each other out. And so right there on that belt is called the doldrums. There is no wind at all. But because there is that, that, that um, collision, if you will, of north winds and south winds, there's a lot of thunderstorms in here um, that's taken place. But before uh, there were motorized boats, sailors would be sailing and they would get caught in that strip. They didn't know what it was because they didn't have the technology that we have today. But they would have sailboats and these boats would get pushed by wind. But in the doldrums, there is no wind. And so if your boat gets caught in the doldrum, you are not moving. People would die in the doldrums. In fact, there are stories out there about how there was people cannibalizing each other to live on the boat because the boat would not move. And a lot of times, you and me get stuck in the doldrums. It's the same amount of money coming in every month. There's the same amount of bills coming in every month. There's not enough there. You got one family member stressing you out. The one family member you do like doesn't talk to you that much. Are you with me? Everybody has a favorite ma family member, and then you have one family member that really stresses you out. Don't pretend like you are the one family that doesn't. You're not the Belvedere's, all right? Let's... <laughs> um, and so it, there's just this, your, your, your life feels like it's stuck, financially stuck, spiritually stuck. You're in the doldrums. And the reason why you're in the doldrums is because there's no wind. And that's when we need the wind of the Holy Spirit to not just comfort us, not just pick up the other end, but to move us and push us in a comforting way into another season. Everybody say, I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. I got to have them. Number two is uh, he will make us witnesses. He will make us witnesses. In John chapter 15, verse 26, it actually describes the Holy Spirit's primary focus. Watch this. Jesus speaking. But I will send you the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, the source of all truth, he will come to you from the Father, watch this, and tell you all about me. The Holy Spirit will tell you all about Jesus. What Jesus is saying is, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to tell you all about me. Watch this. If we could put Jesus in this chair... And the Holy Spirit is standing here. 
the Holy Spirit would be constantly pointing towards Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit's role is not to bring attention to himself, but it's to bring attention to Jesus. Now the church gets that mixed up. The church wants to bring a lot of attention to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit that, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. But that's not what the Holy Spirit does. That's what we do, but that's not what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit brings attention to Jesus. Why does the Holy Spirit bring attention to Jesus? That's a great question. Because it's Jesus who died for you, not the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus who rose again on the third day, not the Holy Spirit. It is Jesus' name that you call on to be saved, not the Holy Spirit. When you are in your car and all of a sudden somebody cuts you off, and what do you say? Ah, Holy Spirit, help me. No. What do you say? Jesus! Now, that's not in your Bible, but it's good theology, somebody. It's the name of Jesus. It's the person of Jesus. When somebody is always Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, don't block them out, but put a flag up. Because you might be talking to a fruit loop. Time will tell. All right, because the Holy Spirit's primary job is to point to Jesus and make you like Jesus. Point to Jesus, make you like Jesus. This is Jesus. Now we're going to make you like Jesus, and man, we need the Holy Spirit to make us like Jesus because if we try to do it by ourselves, it uh, is going to be impossible. But then, not only does the Holy Spirit constantly point us to Jesus, make us like Jesus, but he inspires us and gives us the courage, the boldness, and the gifts to tell other people about Jesus. Somebody say, it's all about Jesus. Say it again. It's all about Jesus. Watch this. This is what happens, and I'm just going to finish reading that verse, verse 27. And you also must tell everyone about me because you have been with me from the beginning. In other words, some of you, Frankie included, you've been walking with me for a long time. You need to be telling people about me. And that requires the Holy Spirit. This is the witness of the Holy Spirit. So what have we talked about so far? We've talked about how the Holy Spirit is close. We've talked about how the Holy Spirit is a witness and makes us witnesses. But he also does something really unique. He convicts us. Now this is a gift. A convicting thought is when you have this thought of, I know Jesus didn't want me to say that. I know Jesus didn't want me to do that. That's a, a convicting thought. That is a gift. It's a gift to be convicted. Um, in fact, when you uh, shut that conviction voice up, um, it's like a whisper. Let me see if I can illustrate this. Um, let me see here. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, oh, you knew I was coming for you. Uh, come on up here, Christian. Um, so uh, let's just say that Christian is, is the Holy Spirit, and he is going to whisper into my ear. Um, a thought of, hey, don't say that. 
or don't do that. It's a convicting thought. So if I say something to you, he whispers into my ear. Now what happens is you, it's not in your ear, it's just right down in here. How many people know what I'm talking about? It's just like, I shouldn't have said that, I shouldn't have did that, I should probably apologize, that kind of stuff. But if we suppress If we shut it down, you, you just stop listening. You ignore, you ignore it. Eventually, your conscience, this is what the Bible says, will be seared. You have told him to shut up so many times that now your conscience is seared. You don't even feel bad anymore. And so the gift that he has to convict you to say, man, I, I need to, Lord, I know that's what you want me to do. Lord, I know that's not what you want me to do. Now you don't even feel that anymore. Now, raise your hand if you know somebody that you think their conscience is seared. You know somebody that they, that, that they used to have a conscience, but now they don't. Thank you, Christian, so much for that. Give Christian a big round of applause. Now, let me read this scripture to you. John chapter 16, verse 8. And when he, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Now watch this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, it says this, And no wonder, since Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So what happens is that though the Holy Spirit is speaking to you saying, Hey, don't do that. Or, hey, go ahead and do that. Satan comes along and masquerades as an angel of light. In other words, he makes you feel like it's okay. It's okay. And, and you know that it, it, that it could be happening when you start saying things like this. I'm not going to go to hell for it. Whoa, is that where we've gotten? <laughs> like, <laughs> we've gotten there? Uh, you know, forget just pleasing Jesus. Well, am I going to go to hell? Not go to hell? Okay, I can do it. No, no, no. It's like, hey, I think, Frankie, I think Allie, your wife, is going to be really upset if you do that. Well, am I going to go to hell over it? Whoa. <laughs> Chill out. Do, do you love her? Yeah, but I'm not going to hell. Well, <laughs> and so that's what the angel of light does. You know, you'll feel the Holy Spirit say, hey, we should go to church today. And then you think, well, I don't have, to, I can get to heaven and not go to church. My gosh. Do you see that? It's an angel of light. Now, when you have these things in your life, it's very difficult to get them out yourself. What we need is some roundups. <laughs> right? Some roundups. Now, there's some, like, manly men in this room who, like, kill bears and can skin them with their own fingernails. And, <laughs> and so I'm about to lose a lot of respect with these manly men. But so I don't, I, once a week I, I, I get out and, and I, I, I work hard in, in the yard, mowing, weed eating, all that kind of stuff. Monday is my Saturday, and that's when I'm doing it. 
I don't mind it. I kind of enjoy it because I can't hear my cell phone. Um, I got to leave this. I kind of like it, right? It's, it's like a couple hours of just, you know, nobody can get me because I'm covered in dust and dirt. I don't mind it. What I do mind is pulling weeds. I hate to pull weeds. I can't stand to pull weeds. And I think the issue is, um, I don't like, <laughs> this is where I lose credibility with the men. I don't like getting my hands dirty. All right, now some of you men are like, you're a, you're a girly man. I, I know. I don't like getting my hands dirty. I don't like getting my fingernails dirty. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like getting in it. And so that's why a weed eater works for me. A mower works for me. I don't want to touch it. I don't. The first time I caught a bass, I was like, And the guy that was teaching me how to get goes, take your thumb. I was like, all right. He goes, now put it in his mouth. I was like, yeah, all right. (laughs) You put your thumb in his mouth. How about that? But, (laughs) But with weeds, you can get the weeds out one or two ways. You can get your hands in there and pull them out one by one, or you can just round it up. Go to sleep, rest, relax, let the roundup do the work. See, the Holy Spirit comes along and he points it out, he convicts and says, this is not right. And then we back up and we say in full transparency, I can't stop. And the Holy Spirit backs up and says, I will round it up for you. I will take it out for you. Does anybody here... You can go back two years, you can go back five years, 10 years, maybe 15 years, and you remember things that you used to do that at the time, there's no way you could have stopped. And you look back and you're like, man, that feels like it was another life ago. That doesn't even feel like me anymore. Raise your hand. Are you with me? That's me. I think I can't even believe I used to do those things because now it feels like a whole new life. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. He's done it once. He can do it again. Somebody say amen to that. So that's what the the role of the Holy Spirit on convicting. Number four, and this is my last and final point this morning, is that he teaches us. He teaches us. In John chapter 16, verse 13, it says this, When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. Now, watch this. Uh, Guiding you into truth, these are the moments where you don't know what you should do next. And don't make it too overblown. Sometimes it can be as as fundamental as, should I quit my job and pursue that job or should I just stay? It could be as, um, uh, uh, as fundamental as, should I buy this house or this house? Should I buy or should I rent? Should I buy this or should I not buy this? It can be as fundamental. I was in the grocery store yesterday and uh, uh, I was about to buy something. I can't remember. No, it was a department store. It was a department store. I was about to buy something. And, and I just felt the Holy Spirit just tell me, you can afford to buy it and you can have it, but you don't need it. Now, it was only 20 bucks. But it's, these are the decisions. And he'll lead you and teach you the sound of his voice through these situations. The best example I can give you is 
uh, when our church was two years old, we were at Sally Ride Elementary School right around the corner. And we didn't live in the woodlands. We, we lived about 40 minutes away. Uh, we lived in Kingwood at the time. And um, we had sold our house. And the people that we sold it to, they rented it back to us until we got ready to move. And so we had down payment money in our hand, and we're getting ready to go. And so we come to the woodlands, we find this house that we're going to build. We give them the money, we start building the house, the bricks are going up, and I feel anxious about the house. Now, it's interesting because affording the house was not an issue at all. The neighborhood was fantastic. I could not figure out why I was so stressed about the house. And so every night I'd walk around the block and I'd say, God, why am I stressed out about this house? It's beautiful. I can afford it. There's not a problem. Just felt stressed, 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 stressed. And I said, God, if you don't want me to walk through that door, you better lock it because I will figure out a way to get through. Has anyone ever prayed a prayer like that? If, God, if you don't want me to do it, you better be abundantly clear. And so about three weeks later, the Woodlands High School opened up. And so we could move the church from Sally Ride Elementary to the Woodlands High School. But the rent was more. And so um, Allie and I needed to get paid less from the church so that the church could afford to rent the high school. But if we got paid less, then we couldn't get the house. And that may feel like a stressful decision for some of you, but for us, it was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. You've made it abundantly clear. So we gave up the house, we moved into the high school. And from now, in, in the house we live in now is a way better deal and a much better house than that ever was, which is such a testimony to God. But I'll never forget that season because now I know that when I feel anxiety, that that is the Lord's way of telling me that I'm either A, going in the wrong direction, or B, I'm going too fast. Without the peace, then I'm not hearing Him. And God is not limited to words. And so you can feel anxiety, and that's the Lord talking to you. You can feel peace, and that's the Lord talking to you. But this is how the Holy Spirit moves in our life. And sometimes His peace will pass understanding, and He'll say, and I feel like this is a word for somebody in this room, the situation appears to not be changing, but the peace passes understanding and you're calm and you're relaxed and you will be calm and stay relaxed even though the facts of the situation hasn't changed yet yet it's almost this kind of confidence do you know what's happening yeah i know what's happening it's gonna be all right it's gonna be okay why aren't you freaking out I just know it's going to be okay. Now stop yelling at me because I'm about to take a nap. <laughs> Let's all stand to our feet for me, please. Would you bow your head and close your eyes, everybody in this room?
If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit speak to you today. If the answer is no, would you just raise your hand right where you're at? Hands are going up all over this room right now. As a sign of surrender, can we all just raise both hands right where we are? And let's just talk to the Lord together. Would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you please forgive me? I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you keep your hands raised and your eyes closed? I'm going to pray a blessing over your life. And, and when I'm finished, there's no official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you. And may the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.